Praise God. All right, are we ready for the word this morning, church? All right, I'm ready. I, I thought I'd warm you up this morning. I thought I'd start with a couple of jokes just to, just to loosen you up, get you going on, on Father's Day. And I, I, I'm not particularly great at jokes, but I, I thought, well, if I stick to the, the chicken crosses the road type joke, I, you know, you can't, you can't go too wrong with that. So let me, let me try this for you. So why did the rubber chicken cross the road? Because she wanted to stretch her legs. Get it? Rubber? rubber. Oh, okay. All right. One more. I'll try one more. All right. A little bit international. We're going international flavor. Why, why did the Roman chicken cross the road? Because she was afraid someone would seize her. Caesar salad, Roman salad. You get it? Okay. All right. This is not going particularly well. All right. All right. Maybe yeah, don't, don't try jokes. Okay. One more. Last one. Last one. I'll bring it right home. Uh, it's a Kiwi, Kiwi version. So not why did the Kiwi cross the road, but why did a New Zealand, why did a New Zealand chicken cross the road? To prove to the possum that it can actually be done. All right, possums, you know, car, headlights, they go to be, all right, okay, anyway. So there's, there's all sorts of reasons why the chicken would cross the road. But the, the question I want to ask this morning, which I think is an important question, is why did the Christian cross the road? Or in fact, more importantly, perhaps, why should the Christian cross the road? And, and see, for me, I, I look around and I think so many Christians seem reluctant to cross the road. I, I don't know if they're scared, they're worried, I don't know what it is. But, you know, when we think about crossing the road, it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's, it's, it's a part of everyday life. How many know if you, if you don't cross the road, you're not going to get far in life. You'll be, you'll be stuck in the one block. M2PP, when they spend all that money on that, on that roading system, they put little posts in with buttons that you push, and it says cross now. It's, it's designed for us to cross the road. But for some reason, especially Christians, I, I find that they're reluctant to cross the road. I mean, let's face it, it can be a little bit hazardous. Crossing the road can be hazardous. I, I remember when I was working down in Wellington, uh, if any of you, you work down there and that sort of thing, you know Wellington on a southerly day, it's blowing, it's cold, it's wet. Mate, there's nothing like it. In fact, uh, I was working in there one day and it was one of those days. It was blowing all through the streets, the wind's blowing. You always know who the new people are in Wellington, you know, when they're starting to work. Because they're the ones that come in on those blustery, wet days and they bring umbrellas with them. Now, I just want to say there is no umbrella that's been made yet that can stand a Wellington win. Because all that happens is they end up inside out in the rubbish bins. How many, how many know you see it when it's like that? We were, we were going in one day and it was blowing like that. And a mate and I, we were standing, crossing, crossing the road, waiting to cross. And there's a, there's a young lady standing there and she's got one of these umbrellas. It's still in one piece, surprisingly. And then as this wind comes down the street, there's this almighty blast of wind. And it just grabs her, grabs the umbrella, and she gets lifted, literally lifted off the ground. We like drop our briefcases, grab her by the arms to, to hold her back down on the, on the ground. And so we know crossing the road can be hazardous. But you see, the thing is, it's an important thing, especially for Christians. We're called to cross the road. In fact, Jesus even talks about, teaches about, crossing the road. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and just tell them this morning, 
You need to cross the road more. You need to cross the road more. Just tell the people around you, you need to cross the road more. And I want you to just park that thought because we're, we're going to come back to it. This importance as Christians that we need to be crossing, crossing the road. Okay, how many got their Bibles with them? You've got your Bibles, you've got your apps, you've got all that. We're going to get into some scripture. Matthew 20, 29, you can go there on your devices with your Bibles or it'll come up on the screen as I read. So it says, as they were leaving Jericho, so this is Jesus and his disciples, as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him, followed Jesus, two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and he called to them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Moved with compassion. Everybody say it. Moved with compassion. And again, just try it with some, you know, some oomph. Moved with compassion. Yeah, now you're getting it. Moved with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. I'm going to feed you with some scripture this morning. Mark. 140. There was a man with leprosy. He came and he knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. He said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He's, yeah, that's what he said. Moved with compassion. Your turn. Moved with compassion. You catching on? Okay. Moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. One last one, just to make sure you're getting the point. Mark 6.34, it says, When Jesus went ashore, he saw a crowd, and he felt something. What did he feel? You're getting it. You're so good. He felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. See, the, the theme through these scriptures and many other scriptures like this where we see Jesus at work is he is moved with compassion. The, the Greek word that's actually used, that actually means the very innermost of his being, the very bowels of his, it's, it's, it grips him. And compassion moves Jesus to act. Compassion moves Jesus to, to reach out and touch the leper. I mean, the leper, you know, you remember back then, the leper's not even allowed in the city. How long is it that that leper has experienced anyone ever touching him? Yet Jesus, moved with compassion, goes beyond everything and reaches out and touches the leper. You see, compassion compels Jesus to move. It, it, it stirs something in him that requires him to act, to, to step out and do something. He sees the crowd that are lost without a shepherd, and he's got to teach them. He's, he's compelled. Compassion motivates Jesus to move. You know, when you, you turn the news on at night and, and you listen to what's going on in the world with, with all the stuff, I, I don't think you've got to be a rocket scientist to work out that there is a lot of hurt broken, lonely people living in this world. I heard on the news this week, the figures came out, 606 people 
in New Zealand took their own lives in the last 12 months. 606 people in New Zealand had lost hope to live. See, so often we, we see everybody on the outside and we've got our little, you know, we've got it all together. But on the inside, so often people aren't what they appear to be on the outside. So often they're, they're living in a world of loneliness and hurt and we've, you know, we've heard all about it, depression and all the rest of it. You see, Jesus cared for people. Jesus' whole point was to, to come to, to be moved by compassion, to reach out and meet people in their place of need. There's a saying that says, I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. I'm all for evangelism, but sometimes people don't need to hear that they're going to hell. They need to hear that somebody loves them. Sometimes we're just called to be the hands and feet of Jesus and just meet a person in their place of need and just do whatever they need to do. Sometimes we can be looking for their eternal security when in the right before our eyes, we don't realize that they can't even afford to put a meal on the table that night. Jesus came and compassion motivated him. It moved him to act where people were in that place of need. You know, it's Father's Day and we, we get to celebrate all the dads and all that sort of thing. And I, I don't know, maybe you're new here today. Maybe you've been invited. Maybe, maybe you've got questions about, well, what is this heavenly father? What does he even look like? What's he, what's he like? How do, I, how do I know him? Those sort of things. And the, and the thing is, if you would read the Bible, if you read the scriptures, what you'd find is, is that Jesus is the perfect example of the heavenly father. He's the perfect representation of our, of our father in heaven. There's a, there's a piece in the scripture where the disciples and Jesus, they're all talking and Jesus is explaining he's gonna go and be with the father in heaven. And, and the disciples are trying to work it out. They're trying to get, get their heads around it. And they don't, really, they don't really understand it. But Philip asked Jesus this question in John 14, 8. Philip says, Lord, he says, show us the father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen the Father has um, seen me. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. See, Jesus is effectively saying, look at me, I'm just like the Father. You know, my heart and the Father's heart are one. Everything I'm about, everything I do is what my Father's about and it's what He's doing in and through me. See, compassion moved our heavenly Father to send His Son, Jesus, into this world to save us, to redeem us, to restore us back to the heavenly Father. Everything that Jesus was about when he was on the earth was about being directed by this compassion, being motivated by this compassion and meeting people in their place of need. See, the kicker is for you and I that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, the Father has sent his Holy Spirit to empower you to do exactly the same thing. You're called to be Jesus' hands and feet in this world. You're called to be moved by compassion to step out and meet people in their place of need. 
It's what the Father was about. That's what the Son's about. It's what the Holy Spirit's about. And it's what we're called to be about as sons and daughters of the living God. Moved with compassion to just meet that person wherever they are in that need. We were, we were up at our regional day last week where kind of this region, all the New Life pastors and interns and all that gathered. We had, I don't know, over 100 people gathered there for this, for this meeting and it's equipping time and that sort of thing. And the, the day was going along and we got to lunchtime. So we have, a, we have a break at lunchtime. And so where everybody was meeting was kind of in one room and then all the food was out in a, in a second room. So at lunchtime, a lot of people emptied out of the room and they went and got lunch and that sort of thing. And I was sort of standing up the front and I noticed that there was a young woman just sitting in one of the chairs on, a, on her own. The room was almost empty. There were still a few people around. And, and just for some reason, I, I just sensed, man, there's something not right there. I, I didn't know what it was. I just had this sense that, that something wasn't right. And, and so I, I honestly stood back because, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy. And, you know, sometimes you just got to, it's not appropriate. You know, you, you don't know what's going on and all that. So I, I kind of held back a little while and I watched because I thought, oh, someone will, someone will come and talk to her or something. But no one did. I mean, two or three minutes went by and she was just there sitting there. And, and this thing in me just kept, you know, you go and talk to her, go and talk to her, go and talk to her. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then it almost got to the point like, like my legs almost went on their own and I was like catching up. It, it was just, I just felt the Lord was just drawing me. And, 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 and so I, I kind of had this feeling that, man, what's, what's going on there? And as I got closer, I, I realized that she was crying. And so now I'm like, oh, no, what are we going to do? You know, what am I going to say? This is, is this going to be awkward? You know, so, but I was in, I, you know, I was committed to go. And so I sat down and, you know, the greatest thing comes out of my mouth. I'm like, are you okay? I mean, how obvious, you know, she's sitting there crying and I'm like, are you okay? Can I just say that sometimes when God prompts you, don't worry about what you say or what you do. It's not about that. He's in the situation anyway. Just, just step out and trust him. So as I, I sat down next to her, I, I was like, you know, what's, what's going on? You're not, you're not hungry. You're not going to get any, anything to eat. And she's sitting there. She's crying. And she says to me, she says, I can't move. She says, I've got this excruciating pain in my head. She says, I literally can't move. And so I'm like, okay. So I'm like, okay, uh, look, can I pray for you? It's always a good, can I just say, you know, if you're not sure what to do, prayer is an awesome thing to try. So just saying. So anyway, so I, I just said, oh, look, it would be okay if I prayed for you. She's like, yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. So I just start praying, you know, just quietly praying, just talking to her. And as I'm praying for her, I, I just feel the Lord start telling me things about her life and her childhood and all this sort of stuff. And, 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 and what I also felt was, mate, this isn't a normal headache. I just felt the Lord say, hey, this is a spiritual thing. There's something spiritual. And I just began to talk to her and listen to her story and what had happened to her as a child and, and all this horrible stuff. But what I realized was as I was talking to her, as I was just listening to her story, I noticed her demeanor was changing. See, in the midst of all that, God was working. And her demeanor was changing. And then I just felt this prompting to say, ask her about her pain now. And I knew. I just said to her, your pain's all gone, eh? She was like, wow, it, it has. And I was like, yeah, God wants to heal you from some things. And, and see, God was working in that moment. See, if I'd gone out for lunch, I'd never crossed the road. Who, who knows what would have happened that day? 
See, Jesus, with the reason we get this compassion, the reason that we get that thing in your stomach is, is for you to step out and act. That's what Jesus was all about. Compassion moved them to take action. See, when we take action in response to that compassion, what happens is heaven moves. Things happen. Things shift. Things change. Amen? See, the heavenly Father, our heavenly Father, His desire, His heart, is that His kids, that's you, that's me, would just step out and begin to meet people in their place of need. It's a hurting world. It's hungry for the love of the Father, and we're called to, to distribute that love, to step out and, and be that love. Matthew 5.14 talks about be a light upon a hill. It says here, you are the light of the world. That's you. You carry the light. God's light, His Spirit's in you. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everybody in the house. You know, you, the Holy Spirit in you is, is the light. It's a hope. It, it, it's something that, that's not tangible. The world doesn't know it, but when you step out, when you begin to engage, see, it's not all about you. It's all about him. If you would just step out and engage, you'd be surprised what he would do. You would be surprised what the Holy Spirit can do. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, the good news is our responsibility is just to step out. See, we're not responsible for the outcome. We're not responsible for what happens. That's God's business. That's His business. Our responsibility as, as sons and daughters is simply when we feel compassion, when we feel that urge, when we feel that prompt, just step out. That's all you got to do. Just step out and trust Him for the rest. Just trust Him for the rest. That, that's not our responsibility. But when He prompts, you need to act. A couple of I don't know, it might be a month or two ago, Miriam and I, we, we went up to Quarter Acre Restaurant in Manukau, just the two of us. We're having a nice, romantic, romantic meal up there, and we're, we're sitting at the table, and where, where I was sitting, I could see the doorway that comes into the, into the restaurant. And so we're sitting there, and we're, we're having a nice meal and that sort of thing. And then I notice this elderly lady comes in the door, and she goes up to the counter, and she's talking to the people at the counter, and then she sits down at a table all on her own. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I wonder. And, and for some reason, she, she caught my eye, and I'm, there was just something about it. You know, like, oh, what is that? And we're having a conversation. I said, honey, there's, there's an elderly lady. She's just sitting on her own on the table. See, what I've learned is that God speaks to Miriam better than he speaks to me. See, sometimes I get all super spiritual, but, but I know that God will speak through Miriam. So often I'll run ideas past Miriam. And I know she's like, hey, just calm down. I know it's not God. But you see, when she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. It's, it's just the way God works with me. And so I, I says to her, what, what do you, what do you think? It doesn't work with any ideas, I'm sure. I was like, what do you, what do you think? I, I, I mean, she's all on her own. Should we invite her over? Remember, we're having a nice romantic dinner. There actually wasn't any room on the table for it. And Miriam's like, no, no, look, just calm down. She's probably just waiting for people and all this sort of thing. So we're carrying on and I'm watching a little while and all the rest of it. And then, then her food comes out. 
And I'm like, no, honey, she's not waiting for somebody. You know, she's, she's all on her own. Maybe, you know, maybe we should. And he's like, no, no, I, I'm not feeling that. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So we're sitting there a little bit while longer. And then I'm like, it's, I can't get rid of it. You know, I'm trying to have a conversation. I'm trying to be, you know, cuddly. You know, and it's just, it won't let me go. This thing just got me gripped. And, and so, so then it dawns on me. I says, honey, I think we should pay for a meal. I think we should pay for her meal. And so Miriam's like, yeah, I think we should. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. All right. So, so I call the waitress over. So I said, oh, excuse me, excuse me. Oh, look, we just feel we want to pay for this lady, this elderly lady over there. We just want to pay for her meal. Uh, you know, so in case she leaves before us, we'll just don't charge her. We'll pay for it when we leave. She's like, oh, okay, fine. So she disappears out the back. Two or three minutes later, she comes back. She's like, oh, look, I'm sorry. I've just been talking to the manager now. I just need to make sure of this. I'm not sure if I've understood you. You are going to pay for that lady's meal? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're going to pay for all of her meal, like, like everything. I was like, yeah, yeah, well, her drink, whatever. Yeah, we'll pay for it all, desserts, whatever. Oh, okay. I said, I don't want her to know. Don't tell her. Just when she comes up, just say, hey, your meal's been taken care of. Oh, okay, she says, and off she goes. Well, sure enough, the lady does finish her meal before, before we do. And so she goes up to the counter, and she's talking to the counter for a while, and, and out the door she goes. And so eventually, Miriam and I are finished. Mate, we, uh, do you ever go there? popcorn caramel sundays we finished it off with that oh they are like heaven on earth i tell you they're brilliant brilliant that's got nothing to do with the story anyway they're just so good honey what are we doing afterwards it's father's day uh so anyway getting back to the story so we get up to the counter and, and we're we're about to pay our bill so i said to the the lady behind the counter i was like look uh we're paying our bill and we're just paying for this lady you know there's an elderly lady there she's you know and the woman behind the counter goes oh you wouldn't believe it I was like, mm, I probably would. So I was like, oh, okay, what? And she says, that lady, she's 87 years old. She's a retired nurse. And she's had one of those days that nobody wants to have. She says she lives on her own in Ōtaki. And what's happened is there's been a company ringing her all week trying to get tradesmen into the house. They've been bombarding her with phone calls and, and annoying her and all the rest of it. And she says, uh, at the end of the day, she just had enough. She was so distressed, so distraught. She decided, I've just got to get out of my house. She was literally quite scared people were going to turn up. So she came out for, for dinner. She was just thought, I'll shout myself dinner. She says, when she heard that somebody had paid for her meal, well, that restored her hope in humanity. You should have seen her face, she said. She just turned her whole life around. What was a terrible day. She went out of there just full of joy and all the rest of it. At that point, a couple of, couple of other waitresses come up and they're like, we can't believe what you did. You paid for it. That's unbelievable. We can't believe this. See, there were no miracles. There were no healings. There were no bolts of lightning falling out of the sky. But I believe the kingdom of God was in that place that day. I believe God blessed that woman. Why? Because my wife's wisdom says, yeah, pay, pay, for her, pay for her meal. You see, it's not about the outcome. It's just about taking a step of faith and engaging people in that place of need and trusting God for the rest. Amen? See, compassion always leads with love. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. 
I'm all about witnessing. I'm all about evangelism. I'm all about winning people to Jesus. But I think we need to be careful that sometimes we can be so much about the witnessing and less being a witness. What I mean by that is sometimes we can be so focused on winning someone to Jesus, sharing the gospel, that we actually forget that we're to be the hands and feet of Jesus and meet the need right in front of you. I'm all for evangelism, but as I I said the other week, before it was a rescue, it was a love story, and it always is a love story. How many opportunities do we miss during our day because we just don't have eyes to see the, the immediate need in front of us? How many times is God looking for somebody to just, just go with the prompting and, and just step out and, and do something? So you don't have to be worried about the outcome. It, it's not about leading everybody to Christ. It's just about being who they need you to be in that situation, being Jesus in that situation. Apostle Paul in Corinthians, he talks about this whole idea about uh, some sow seed, some water seed, and some harvest. See, when we're all focused on the harvest, we forget about sowing a seed of love, watering a seed that somebody else is already, already sowing. Romans 2.4 says this, it, it talks about this whole idea that it's God's goodness. It's God's kindness that leads to repentance. And in the world that we're living in, so many people are in need of that love, that unconditional love, God's love invading their space. I I was sharing in the other service about when I used to work in Wellington, you know, I was doing the whole corporate thing and all that. Often you'd have people on the side of the street, you know, they'd have a bucket, they'd be homeless, all that sort of thing. And I I used to, you know, throw a couple of dollars in and, you know, you'd go on, but oh, maybe if it was, you know, I was feeling generous, I'd put a 20 in or something. And I'd, I'd walk by thinking, okay, I've done, my, you know, I've done my good thing for the day. Not once did I ever stop and sit down beside the person and say, mate, what's going on in your life? I've started to do that. And can I tell you, it will change your perspective on life. When you actually get alongside that person, sit down. See, the whole world changes when you're sitting there in your corporate attire and you're you're sitting down on the sidewalk and you're watching all the people go by. All of a sudden, life has a completely different focus. See, that's what Jesus did. He loved people. He would just cross over and meet them in their in their place of need. Amen? Compassion demands that we cross the road. You know, we asked the question at the beginning, why does the Christian cross the road or why should the Christian cross the road? Compassion demands that he does. See, there's the the um, parable of the Good Samaritan. You You all know it probably. It's it's where the man goes down to Jericho. The, the road heading down to Jericho is a long, windy road. It's a dark road. It's, it's, it's a long way down there. And there's robbers and thieves and all that that are, that are hiding in the pathways and that. And, and as this man goes down, he, he gets attacked. He gets robbed. He gets beaten and thrown into the side of the road. And, of course, the parable that Jesus is talking about, he talks about how shortly after that, this priest heads down that same road. The priest just 
walks on by this man beaten on the side. I mean, maybe he said a prayer. I, I don't know, but he, he just went on by. Short time later, the, the Levite is the same. He heads on down this pathway, doesn't do anything about this man lying on the side of the road. It's in Luke 10, but in verse 32, it says this. It says, a Samaritan man came down the road and saw the man and had compassion for him and crossed over the road to help the man in need, bandaged him up, looked after him. See, at the end of the story, Jesus says to everyone who's listening to him, go do what the Samaritan did. Go cross the road. Go meet that person in need. See, so often we, we think we're the Samaritan. We, we, we feel for people. We pray for people. But, friend, when was the last time you actually crossed over the road and, and got involved? When I was, I was working in Wellington, maybe the worship team can come. When I was working in Wellington, I was, I was a relatively new Christian at the time. I was meeting a friend for lunch. We were, we were going to have lunch in the B&Z Center. It was in Wellington at that time. Is it still there? No, nah, you guys have shifted, eh? Oh, it's still there. So this B&Z Center right in town. There's a big food court underneath and that. So I was meeting a friend there for lunch. And so I, I was sitting at the table. I was a little bit early, and I was waiting for my friend to arrive. And as I was looking in the food court, right opposite me was a huge table with a, with a heap of people on it. And, and it was clear from what was going on, there were a number of people with physical and intellectual disabilities. There were, there were caregivers there looking after them and all that sort of thing. And as I, as I was looking across the table, it really struck me at the time. There was a, there was a young woman there, and, and I remember as clear as a bell, because it went through my head. I was like, man, if, if, if I've ever seen an angel, that's an angel. Because just her complexion and her look, I, it, was, it was angelic. You know, I was really taken by it. And, and I was really taken back by it. But then as I was watching, she because she, her head was kind of down a little bit, but as I was watching, she began to lift her head up and, and, and her mouth kind of opened and it was, it was really distorted. And, and you could just see from her face and all that, she, she had a serious disability. And there was a caregiver there that, that started to, to pour food in her mouth and all that sort of thing. And, and here am I sitting in the middle of this food court and I just start weeping. <laughs> I, I just start, I, man, it just gripped me. I was like, oh my God, what, what is this? You know, for, you know, five seconds ago, I'd, I'd seen this angelic looking thing. And now I, I looked at this poor person and I was like, oh my God, how does that happen in this world? This is so wrong. I was, there was like a righteous anger. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was a new Christian. I was like, <laughs> and so then I thought, I was like, ah, pray for her. I'm going to pray for her. And so I'm sitting at the table and I'm thinking, yeah, I'll pray for her. And then it all started. Yeah, but but nothing happened. Well, you can't you can't pray for her. You know, the, the caregivers won't allow you to pray for her. And so this battle starts in my head. And and my friend comes for lunch, and I wipe my tears. I get on and have lunch. See, I thought about that story when I was preparing this message because I was thinking, man, that's an awesome illustration of compassion. 
you know, there's, I was ripped. I was, I was so deeply moved. I moved to tears. And as I was thinking of that, the Lord spoke to me. He said, Neil, that's not compassion. You're just being emotional. See, compassion isn't compassion until you cross the road. Compassion isn't compassion until you're prepared to go and act, step out, meet that person in need. See, we can get emotional. We can get all, you know, I'll pray, I'll pray, I'll pray. Friends, that's not what it's about. Compassion is designed to stir you, to act, to stir you, to step out of your comfort zone, trust in Him, to meet people in their place of need. See, we don't know people's stories, but He does. He knows every story. He knows every person. See, you don't know why you're being prompted. You don't need to know why. Just trust Him. Just step out and meet the need in front of you. It's never compassion until you cross the road. There are 52,000 people in Kapiti, roughly. It's estimated some 40, 45,000 of them don't go to church. They're nameless, faceless. They're numbers, they're statistics. They don't mean anything. Somebody once said this. They said a million is just a statistic until you meet one. You see, there's all those people in Kapiti, nameless, faceless, and they're all statistics. They're all just numbers until you cross the road and meet one. And friend, then everything it's what we're called to do. It's what we're designed to do. It's what the Father did when He sent the Son. It's what Jesus did when He was on the planet. And it's what He's called us to do. It's a real simple message, folks. Just cross the road. It's what Jesus taught us to do, commanded us to do. Just cross the road. You know, as we celebrate Father's Day, as we, we think of our heavenly Father, my encouragement to you is this week, as you, as you go out, allow His heart, allow His compassion to be at work in your life. And when you feel the prompting, when you feel the stirring, just step out and meet somebody in their place of need, whether it's buying them a coffee, buying them lunch, whatever it is, just step out. Why? So that He may be glorified. Because when we're prompted, and we step out, heaven moves. And that's what it's all about. It's about bringing heaven to earth, that people's lives would be changed forever, that they would come to know this God that loves them. Amen. I pray that's been helpful for you this morning. Maybe you can just bow your heads, close your eyes. Before we finish this morning, I want to take an opportunity. I don't want anyone to leave this place if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Years ago, I, I did it on my lounge room floor. My life was a mess. I, I didn't know where it was going, and I just cried out to God. And He was faithful. He came into my life and changed it from that moment on. 
might be sitting here today and you're like, oh, Pastor, you don't know how bad my life is. You don't know what a mess my life is. Friend, it's not about how bad your life is. It's about how good this God is. He loves you. He cares about you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. See, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all mucked up, got it wrong, done things we wish we'd never done. But you see, the gift of God, His gift to you, His gift to me is eternal life through His Son, Jesus. If we would put our faith in Jesus, if we would ask Jesus to come into our life as our Lord and a Savior, He will save us. He will set us free. He will reconcile us to our heavenly Father in heaven. If you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer. And that prayer is simply just asking Jesus to come into your life. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand if you know you, you need to be included in that prayer. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I don't want you to leave this place without doing that. One, understand God loves you. He cares about you. He knows your story. Whatever's going on the inside, understand God knows that story. Two, He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a destiny. If you would, if you would allow Him in, and if you, would, if you would surrender your life to Him, He will begin to lead you and guide you and steer your life. Three, you know you need to get right with God today. I want you nice and high. Lift up your hand wherever you are right now. You know you need to get right with God today. Just lift those hands nice and high. Thank you. I see that hand down the back. Thank you. Yep, down the middle here. Thank you. Thank you. Down, down on my left. Thank you. Anybody, I want to just wait a moment. You know you need to get right with God today. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't leave here without doing that. One last moment. If you haven't already put up your hand and you know you need to get right with God today, just lift your hand nice and high where you are. Thank you. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to pray a prayer together. And for those of you that have put up your hand to ask Jesus into your life for the first time, understand as you pray this prayer, God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit will come and begin to live in you, reside in you, and He'll begin to change you from the inside out. So church, let's repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you know me that you know my story. Today, I turn to you and I ask you to come into my life as my Lord, as my Savior. Jesus, help me turn from all I know to be wrong and to follow you all the days of my life this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you've prayed that for the first time this morning, please keep coming to church. It's, it's like a meal. Just come each week. You gradually get fed more and more. Down the back.